Go to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Uh, this is going to be an audible. Um, Adam Zander, uh, that, our missionary friend who came a couple of weeks ago, he sends his thanks. Uh, we did, uh, out of your offerings and what the church gave, uh, we gave him a love offering of $3,000. A uh, huge blessing to him. He's trying to find the building. He's like, you know, you need a building to really get people to come. I was like, tell me what that's about. You know, but <laughs> uh, it was just funny. Um, and uh, he's very appreciative. He's heading back in November. Uh, he's going down south, I think, now. We had lunch with him, and it was a blessing. He was very appreciative. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 1. Um, oh, but, but Adam made a comment about, yeah, I've preached through 10 books of the Bible in five years. And I thought to myself, wow. I am really not keeping up with this guy because I preached through like one book of the Bible in a bunch of five years, something like that. So, but I'm going to pull an audible here. Deuteronomy chapter one is where we'll start. Deuteronomy chapter one, uh, Deuteronomy one. If you're there, just say amen. amen. All right. So I'm going to be preaching to the proverbial choir here. I'm going to need some extra amens. I know like half the church is still on vacation. So uh, you're going to have to fill in the gap and hopefully they'll listen to this too because this has kind of been a challenge to me. Uh, it's been something that's been like kind of nagging at me since, uh, since I started teaching through Joshua on Thursday nights. That's kind of been, I haven't been able to get my heart and mind out of Joshua. I just read through Joshua a few days ago uh, again. So I I'm, I'm really keep thinking about this. So uh, it's not really a rehash, but it's something to kind of like build off of what we taught on Thursday nights about Joshua. But we're going to start in Deuteronomy. And uh, if you're familiar or unfamiliar with the Bible, I'm good. Johnny, I'm definitely right. There are two great crossings for the people of God in the Old Testament. Okay? Uh, the Red Sea crossing, when Israel escaped the bondage of Egypt, we read about that in Exodus, right? Exit, Exodus, when they got out or exited Egypt. And the Jordan River crossing when Israel entered the blessings of the promised land. That is in the book of Joshua. So we've got these two great crossings, and these two great crossings, the Red Sea in Exodus and the Jordan River in Joshua, those two great crossings in the Old Testament picture two great moments for believers in the New Testament. All right? So the Red Sea pictures salvation of your soul, right? When Moses stretched out his hands like Jesus Christ stretched out his hands on the cross and the children of Israel walked through on dry land, amen? They didn't have to do anything but enter into what Moses had done with God's power. Interesting that he stretched out his hands like this, just how Jesus Christ stretched out his hands on the cross and they walked through and they were delivered from Egypt forever, But the River Jordan pictures victory for the saint. (laughs) It's when Joshua, or Jesus as he's called in the New Testament, spoke some commandments to the priests, and all they had to do was heed those commandments and step out by faith, and then the waters parted. So two great crossings, two different moments, one salvation, one victory, one God's work, one your work, one every believer had to cross the Red Sea to get saved. If you haven't gone through the Red Sea, you might still be in Egypt today. Every believer, if you're a believer, say amen. Amen. You're so used to those dignified, well-spoken guys the last couple of weeks. Now I'm coming at you like a Gatling gun again. You're like, cognitive dissonance, but uh, don't worry, you'll, you'll settle back in. But you know what? The Red Sea was salvation. You know what you had to do to get saved? You just entered into God's work, amen? You didn't have to die on that cross yourself. You didn't have to live a holy life. You didn't have to put your hand to the altar. Thank you, God, that all you had to do was just enter into what God had already done for you, and you walked through dry land, and God delivered you from the bondage of Egypt, from this present evil world. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Every believer had to cross the Red Sea. Everybody had to cross the Red Sea to get saved. Everybody had to do that to be made free. But very, very few believers cross Jordan. Because very, very few believers want to get all God has for you. And that's what the River Jordan is about. 
Not your soul getting saved, but crossing Jordan to get all God has for you. Not entering into God's work, but exercising some of your own works to go get the land that God has reserved for you. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, you say, how do you know very few believers make it to the promised land? How do you know very few believers would want to cross Jordan and make it to the promised land? Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 30. This is when Moses is talking to that group that was going to go into the promised land. And it says in Deuteronomy 1.30, Moses is speaking. He says, the Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness, where thou hast seen how that the Lord thy God bare thee as a man doth bear his son in all the way that ye went until ye came into this place. Yet in this thing he did not believe the Lord your God, who went in the way before you to search you out a place to pitch your tents in, in fire by night, to show you by what way ye should go, and in a cloud by day. And the Lord heard the voice of your words, and was wroth and swear, saying, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land, which I swear to give unto your fathers. Save Caleb, the son of Jephna, he shall see it. And to him will I give the land that he hath trodden upon. And to his children, because he hath wholly followed the Lord. And the Lord was angry with me for your sake, saying, Thou shalt also shalt not go in thither. But Joshua, the son of Nun, which standeth before thee, he shall go in thither. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. You know what that shows me? Of the 600,000 men that came out of Egypt, right? Exodus tells us 600,000 men. That doesn't include women. That doesn't include children. So there might have been close to 2 million people that came out of Egypt. But 600,000 men came out of Egypt in the Exodus. But only two made it to the promised land. So when I talk about every believer had to go through the Red Sea to get saved, but very few had crossed Jordan, that's what I'm going off of. Only Caleb and Joshua from the original crew made it into the promised land. Here's my question. Are you saved? Say amen. Amen. Has your soul been made free by the blood of the lamb? Say amen again. Okay. Then I'm talking to the right crowd. You've all come through the Red Sea, that crimson tide. You've all been saved by the blood of the lamb. But now my second question, I don't want you to answer out loud because you might out yourself. Do you want all God has for you, saint? Are you willing to cross Jordan and enjoy all the blessings of the land? You've, delivered, you've been delivered by the blood of the Lamb, and we love that. Thank you, Jesus. But do you want the blessing of the land? That's something you have to go get. And I'm going to talk to you today very simply. The title is, Johnny, I'm just going to give it to you, make it easy. Why you won't cross over. That's the title. Why you won't cross over. Or if you need another title, how to be a Caleb, how to be a Caleb. But I'm going to go with that first one. Why you won't cross over or how to be a Caleb. You say, why are you preaching this, Pat? Why don't you stay on vacation? So you don't miss the promised land in your life. So you get all God has for you in this life and the next. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we love you today. We thank you. Lord, we just pray, Lord, you'd encourage our hearts, exhort us, challenge us, change us. Lord, there's nothing horizontal we need to change. Just vertically, Lord, help us to get a little closer, to want you a little more, to love you a little more deeply. For all you've done for us, help us to be willing to do something for you. In Jesus' name I ask it, Father, starting with me. Amen. Amen. Go to Numbers chapter 13. I got three reasons why you won't cross over or why... People won't cross over, but I'm going to make it you. Why you won't cross over. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Reason number one. If you're taking notes, I'll make it real easy. Reason number one. A lot of believers won't ever cross over because they have no faith. They have no faith. Look at Numbers chapter 13. This is their failure, right? This is the failure of Israel at Kadesh Barnea. They were standing there. Moses sent the spies in. Now they're getting the report. And you know what? Here's their failure. Watch it. Numbers 13, verse 25. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. 
And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. So there was no doubt that God had something amazing prepared for them. And hopefully, there's no doubt in your mind that God has something amazing prepared for you. And we're not talking about heaven. We're talking about a life of victory and blessing down here. That's what the promised land is. It's not heaven. There's giants to fight. There's land to be taken. It's a place where you got to do something. But it's a land that is great and blessed. And it's a land that God has reserved for you down here. You just got to go and get it. They say, surely it was great. I think that was whole milk too. It must have been some really thick milk. Un, you know, raw milk, I guess, is the fad these days, right? 28, nevertheless, uh-oh, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Those were the giants. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Please notice that most of the spies had no faith in what God had promised them. You know what they stopped? They stopped with the obstacles. All they saw were the obstacles. They knew it was great. They knew it was magnificent. But they stopped short when they saw all the obstacles. You know what the Bible says about that crowd? In the book of Hebrews, it says this. You don't have to flip there, but it's in Hebrews 4, verse 2. The Bible says, The word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. They heard what God said. They heard the promise, but the faith didn't get mixed in there, and it was good for nothing. But in verse 30, you see a different spirit in Caleb. I want to be a Caleb. I've been so taken. I've been so taken by this guy, Caleb, the last few weeks. I can't stop thinking about it. I'm sitting on the the beach in South Carolina, and I'm thinking about Caleb, and I'm thinking about Caleb, and I'm thinking about Caleb. And in verse 30, it says, and Caleb stilled the people. If he was Italian, he would have given given Italian 45. He would have been like, snap out of it. Wait, stop everybody. And said, let us go up at once and possess it we are well able to overcome it. See, Caleb made it to the promised land. Why? Because he believed God. (laughs) It's that simple. He heard and he had faith. God loves that. Do you know that? The Bible says, and you know the verse, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Hey, who among you wants to please God? Does anybody want to please God? I like, you know, you could all please God today. You don't have to go on a mission field. You don't have to give money to some missionary. You know what you could do? Believe what you read. Believe the promises. God said, that blesses my heart. Caleb must have just figured, huh? God said it. That settles it, right? Have you settled it in your heart? God said it. That settles it. That's it. That's all I got to see. God, you said it. That's it. But you see what happens in 31? Here comes the evil report. Look at the first word in 31. But (laughs) you can almost hear the truck backing up. Beep, 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 beep. The doors open up and out comes this big butt. (laughs) But (laughs) the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the land of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. The other spies' lack of faith was so insulting to God. You see verse 32, what God called it? An evil report. Not just a doubtful report, not just a men's and men's report. God says that's an evil report because you're not believing me. And without faith, it is impossible to please me. He's like, why don't you believe me? You say, isn't that strong words? No, it's not. Now we're talking about God. Now we're talking about what God says to us. You see verse 31 again? Can I tell you? It's evil to stop short of God's best because of your butt. Hey, God could do this for you and your family if you, oh, but, what a, but, 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 but. Get your butt out of here. You're stinking up the whole joint. 
Put your butt away, right? Nobody wants to see it right now. Get your butt out of God's promises because God says it's evil when you put a butt in my promise, right? Isn't salvation, there's no ifs, ends, or buts about it. Isn't that a blessing? Uh, Brother Brian was telling me he's trying to witness to this guy at a fair, was getting pretty nasty yesterday, getting pretty stupid yesterday. And Brian's just trying to tell him Jesus. And the guy's got the but, 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 but I'm going to live my life. And he's like, that's not even what I'm saying. But that guy's sticking his big butt in there and he's missing the promise of God. I'm not going to turn around and do it. Don't get nervous. I'm not going to turn around and and let any tootsies roll. All right. So don't worry. But it's evil. It's evil to stop short of God's best because of your butt. Get your butt out of there. God says, no, just believe what I said. Look at verse 32. You want to know what else is evil? It's evil to be ensnared by fear instead of exercising faith in God. Why are you looking at the... You do look like grasshoppers next to the giants. But the giants look like grasshoppers next to your God. <laughs> did, you forget who God who, did you forget who told you to do what he told you to do in there? <laughs> did you forget that? And verse 33, I'll give you one more thing that's evil. If you look at 33, it's evil to only look at the circumstances and not look to your Savior. I bet you on that Saturday afternoon, uh, that the end of that third day and that tomb was still sealed, I bet you it looked pretty bleak when Jesus Christ was laid to rest his body. I bet you by all outward indicators, it looked like total failure and God had lost and the devil had won and our sins were going to be upon us forever. But in a moment, God can turn bad from good, death to life, evil to greatness. You just got to give God a chance and wait on him and don't lose faith, saint. Don't lose faith. You know what Brother Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon said? He said, if we cannot believe God when circumstances circumstances seem to be against us, we do not believe him at all. Easy to believe him when the money's in the bank, when the people are getting saved, when the house is full of people, when everything's lined up. But you know what's provoked me more and more? When you ain't seeing nothing. When you ain't seeing nothing happening. Are you still trusting? Are you still laboring? Are you still going in the plow? And I don't care if the preaching of God's word drives out every naysayer in here. It doesn't hope it doesn't drive anybody else out. But you know what? We're just going to keep on keeping on because God says, if you believe me, you know what? It'll be worth it in the end. Through faith, follow them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And that's who I'm after. We're after something a lot bigger than anything we could see with our eyes. Don't give up hope, Christian. Don't give up hope. Corey Ten Boom, I've used her before. I've quoted her before. Some of you read some books about her. She's a blessing. She said, faith is like radar that sees through the fog. Because <laughs> sometimes the fog obscures what God is doing. Sometimes you're like, God, where are you? What are you doing? But faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And Corey Ten Boom said, faith is like radar that sees through the fog the reality of things at a distance that the human eye cannot see. Faith, she said, sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. Oh, that's what I'm after. I want some of that. Do you think God is the same God as Corey Ten Boom? Is she? Oh, you're weak there. Is your God the same God as Corey Ten Boom? Is your God the same God as Charles Spurgeon? Is your God the same God as Joshua? The same God as Moses? The same God of Hudson Taylor? The same God of Mel Sabaka? I've got the same God, and I was washed in the same blood, and the only thing that limits him is my unbelief. I want to be like Caleb, because we're supposed to walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. Hey, how's your walk been since you've been saved? Walk, that's one sister, amen, amen. I don't know, you're walking by sight? Well, you know, it was a little light today, and I don't know, I gave out all these tracts, and nothing happened, I don't know what God's doing, and I don't know, the family's still sick, and this is still a problem. Are you looking by faith, or are you looking by sight? Question, answer this out loud for me. How did you escape the bondage of Egypt? Amen? How'd you, you escaped it by believing God to apply the blood, right? Somebody explained the gospel to you, like somebody explained the gospel to Donna back there a few weeks ago, and you know what? She believed it, she understood it, it seemed logical, rational, God laid it out there, it made sense, God moved in her heart, she understood, and you know what? She believed God, 
to apply the blood of the lamb to her sin as the payment for her debt. That's how you got saved, by faith, amen? For by grace you are saved through faith. How are you going to get to the promised land? How do you enter the blessing of Cana? By believing God, not to apply the blood, but to apply the book. You've got to believe God to apply the book now. God gives you a promise, apply it. God shows you something, apply it. God teaches you something, apply the Bible as long as you can apply it, as much as you understand it. Brethren, go to 1 John chapter 5. Let me show you this verse here. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John 5. Towards the back of your Bible, 1 John 5. A lot of believers won't ever cross over because they have no faith. They have no faith. They call God a liar. 1 John 5. 1 John 5, 9. Here's a good verse here. Let me actually open this water. 1 John 5, verse 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. Now, you believe me. I told some of you guys, I'll be back on Saturday. You said, okay, good. Nobody got a message ready. Nobody said, oh, he's not going to show up on Saturday. We got to get something ready to preach on Sunday. He's not coming back on Saturday. No, you believe me. You receive the witness of men. Faulty, sinful, stupid, I'll add for myself, men. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater for this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. A lot of saints never succeed because they fail to have faith in God's record. They fail to have faith in the book, in the scriptures that he left us. If I saw my brother Chris there, I'd say, Chris, what's your name? He would say, I don't believe that. Chris, what's your name again? I don't believe that. What's your name? I don't believe that. See, I can even, a little agita, I can sense a little agita building up now if I went on and on and on with that. How does it feel to be asked your name and I don't believe what you tell me over and over and over and over and over again? How do you think it feels, or how do you think God feels when we fail to believe the promises he gives us over and over and over again in his record? We don't believe God, and we grieve him, and we limit him, and we just, I don't know, we, we miss the promised land. How can you ever expect to make it to God's, ready, promised land if you don't believe God's, ready, Promises, right? You got to believe the promises to make it to God's promised land. It doesn't work if you don't believe them. Look, is, my, is Christian back there? Is he there? Raise a hand. There he is. He's, he's hanging on for the areas. If I promise my son a car, I'm not, by the way. Right? But if I pro, or to use the car, right? If I promise my son a car for obeying my voice, he won't ever enjoy the ride if he doesn't believe me. He's got to believe me to then appropriate the conditions I give him. And brethren, if you fail to have faith in God, you're never going to enjoy the ride that God has for you. You just got to believe God. That's number one if you want to make it to the promised land. But let me give you number two. Go back to Acts chapter 7. Go to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, verse number 37. A lot of believers won't ever cross over because they have no faith. And I know this is a challenging message for the dead of summer. I know. But uh, the dead of fall, there's never like the right circumstance, right? I just got to preach what is there. So, you know, if there was 150 people here or 50 people here, it's immaterial to me. I just going to send it out there and the Lord will do that, which is good, right? So a lot of believers won't ever cross over because they have no faith. Number two, and probably worse, we're going to get worse as each reason comes out. A lot of believers won't ever cross over because they have no, and I'm definitely preaching to the choir now, faithfulness. They have no faithfulness. Look at Acts chapter 7. Here's God uh, rehearsing, uh, Stephen, rather, the preacher, is rehearsing the history of Israel. And he says in Acts 7.37, This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, 
A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall ye hear. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness, speaking about the Old Testament, with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai, and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us, to whom our fathers would not obey. They wouldn't listen to Moses, like these people wouldn't listen to Jesus. To whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them, and in their hearts turned back again into Egypt. You know, that first generation, only two went in, right? Joshua and Caleb. But you know why they really failed so badly? The great failure of that first generation is they always turned back to Egypt. They were always had one hand on the exit sign so they could jump back and go back to Egypt. Exit is 16, they get hungry. You know what happens? They want to go back to Egypt. They start complaining. Exodus 17, they get thirsty. You know what they want to do? They want to go back to Egypt. Every time something went wrong, they were hedging their beds and saying, oh, but we had the leaks back there, and we had the water back there, and they were always turning back to Egypt in their mouths and in their minds and in their hearts. Go to Numbers chapter 14. And then they fail completely at Kadesh Barnea. God says, you're not going in, and look what their reaction is. Numbers 14, flip back there. When their lack of faith keeps them now from the promised land. Look what happens in Numbers 14, verse 1. Numbers 14, 1. Let me let you get. When you get there, say amen. <laughs> Nobody wants to say amen anymore, right? I'm still flipping. Amen. Right? Numbers 14. Numbers 14. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? <laughs> or would God we had died in this wilderness? <laughs> and wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land? You can almost see it like a kid, like to fall by the sword, uh, that our wives and our children should be a prey. <laughs> Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt, Egypt, Egypt. I mean, when they fail completely, they want to go back into bondage. They want to go back to the place where they were whipped and beaten and starved and made slaves. Because in their hearts, they never left. They had no devotion. They had no resolution. They had no faithfulness. They were like, you know, if this thing works out better out here, I'll go God's way. But you know what? If this doesn't work out, I'm just going to go back to Egypt. They never were fully committed. They were never like Caleb. They were never wholly following the Lord. They had no faithfulness. And that's why they never made it in. Here's the lesson I see from these people. You can't have one foot in the world and expect to get all God has for you. All right? Your sins can get washed away, but you're not going to get to that place of victory and blessing if you're always like this. If you're always doing this. God, if you give me something, right? You give me something, sugar daddy, I'll follow you. You give me a little, you know, if it doesn't look like it's going my way, I'm going back to the bondage, right? That's how we are a lot of times. Hey, we got some runners in here. You can't claim victory in the race God has for you to run if you're always looking back. Because your body follows where your head is pointing, right? I have never seen a, a runner win a race running backwards. Right? I've never, or look, trying to like do this. You've got to keep your eyes set as a flint. You've got to keep going forward. Listen, uh, go to Numbers 32, a few pages to the right. Let me show you something about Caleb. Because we said this message is why you won't cross over or how to be a Caleb. Hello, David Hakim. It's good to see you, my brother. Numbers 32, verse 10. He's, he's given this... Uh, this uh, list again of, of the failure. They're reciting the failure again of Israel in Numbers 32.10. And the Bible says, Numbers 32.10, And the Lord's anger was kindled the same time. And he sware, saying, Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly, that's with a W, followed me. Save or accept Caleb the son of Jephna, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. You see, Caleb got all God had for him because Caleb was faithful. He was all in. And if you want to get all God has for you, you got to be all in. I didn't say quit your job. I didn't say don't go on vacation. 
I just went on one. I didn't say any of those things. I didn't tell you anything about the circumstances of your life. I just said in your heart, are you turning back to Egypt? Are you all in for Jesus Christ? I want to be all in. Hey, what kind of diet works when you follow it every so often? I haven't found it yet. When you find it, let me know, because I am going to sign up for that one. What kind of exercise routine shows results if you only work out once in a while? Haven't found it yet. I think the alternative is steroids, but that doesn't work either. So good, right? What kind of athlete wins gold who only trains when he or she, ready? Ready? Drum roll. Feels like it. Haven't heard anybody yet. So what kind of victory do you expect to get as a Christian if you remain inconsistent? Inconsistent Christians. We're full of inconsistent. I'll read my Bible when I feel like it. I'll go to church when I feel like it. I'll do things for God when it suits me and fits into my super schedule that's so busy with all the affairs of this life. And God, if I can carve out a sliver of the pie of my great life, then maybe if somebody's in the hospital or somebody's sick or somebody just died and my heart's a little tender, I'll give you a little bit of attention when things are going bad for me. But as soon as things go good again, God, that pie is all mine, baby. Don't move in on my tomatoes, God. Just leave me be. That's how we get. I don't expect a lot of amens there, but that's how we get. Johnny come lately is with God. Inconsistent Christians, and I'm talking about this message about getting all God has for you, and some of you, it's like I'm talking Swahili. Get all God has for me. You know why it's Swahili? Because you've never been faithful. You work out a little bit, you know, you see some gains, you're like, oh, I want to keep working out. You take a diet, you stick to it, you lose a little bit of those extra pounds, you're like, oh, I'm going to stick to it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. When you get a little bit consistent and you see God giving you victory and God changing your life and God opening doors and God changing your thoughts and changing your habits and changing your world and seeing him use you, you know what happens? You're like, oh man, that tastes good. I want to do that. I like the way that feels. I want some more of that. But if you've never been consistent enough to see God get any gains in your life, you're never going to make it to the promised land. It seems like I'm talking about something that's only reserved for people that are like missionaries or pastors for 50 years. Like, what is he talking about? Just get a little bit consistent and you'll see. You'll see. I dare you. Go to Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter four. You want to get a victory over a habit? See God save your family. See God work in your life. See God use you in some extraordinary way. You just got to get consistent. You just got to be faithful. Let me show you Caleb. Joshua 14, 16. Joshua 14, 6. I'm sorry. And if I'm only preaching this for me, then just you, I'll be done in a little while. Just sit there and smile. And next week, you know, have a little sandwich after church and we'll have a great time. But you know what? I'm preaching to that one that might be sitting here today that deep down in your heart, you're like, I would like to see God use me. I would like to get all God has for me. I would like to see God say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. If there's anybody like that here, that's who I'm preaching to. And if it's only me, I want to, I want to be that man. I want to be that person. I want to, I just, I feel like I haven't gotten it yet. I want to get there. I want to get there. I don't want to give up that, that journey, that sojourn. Joshua chapter 14, verse six. This is a long time has passed now. 45 years has passed since Kadesh Barnea now. Then the children, and Joshua is dealing out the land now, right? He's giving out the inheritances. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephna, the Kenazite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly, completely followed the Lord my God. See, Caleb got to go into the promised land because he was faithful. He didn't have any special skills. I don't know if he could sing. I don't know if he could preach. I don't know if he spoke to people well on the street. All we know about Caleb was that he was faithful. He followed God with his whole heart. That's all he's looking for. Somebody that's willing to give him. I didn't say their whole bank account. I said their whole heart. 
Because that's what Caleb's name means, right? Wholehearted, bold, brave, devoted to God, faithful. That's what Caleb means. That's who he was. And that's why so few of God's people ever get to the promised land in their lives. Because they're not wholly following. They're half-heartedly following or seldomly following or sometimes following or if something's going on in my life and I need God at this moment to do something for me, like a sugar daddy, that's when I'm following him a little bit, but not too much because I don't want to look like a fanatic like Pat. Just a little bit, just a little, just enough to kind of get a prayer answered or something like that. That's when I'll follow him. I hope that's not me and I hope that's not you. Look at verse 10. That wasn't Caleb, verse 10. And it's all about the heart. Notice I haven't told you anything you need to do, but it's all about the heart. If you can look, and get to heaven and look at the scars on his head and the holes in his hand and the holes in his feet and the mark in his side, because they're still on his body, by the way, right? If you can look at them and still go to that judgment seat of Christ and let it all go up in ashes and not give a flip that I can't say anything to you. But if you could stare at that cross and think about the whipping and the beating and going hell and back for you and something in you isn't like, man, Lord, I'd like to give you my heart. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I know what I am. I know where I was. I'm a dirty, wretched sinner. Filthy belongs in hell faster than everybody in this room. And Jesus Christ would die on that cross and give me eternal life. You know what? I figure I should just give him back my life. Because you know what? It isn't even my life. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Did he love you? Say amen. Amen. Then just live for him. Just give him your heart. Verse number uh, 10. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he had said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. He's 85 years old now. And he says, as yet, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. He's 85 years old and Caleb was still faithful and strong and wanted all God had for him. His devotion hadn't waned at all because he was faithful. Man, I'm making jokes, but the guys over 50 are running circles around the rest of us here. And we've got some guys under 50 here that I don't know if I can get you to pick up a box, but the guys over 50 here are setting stuff up, carrying stuff, lugging stuff. Where are the young men? Caleb's 85 years old. He's probably got a walker in one hand, and he's like, let me at him, let me at him. I can still take him. I can still put him up, put him up. Right, he's ready to go. You know what made him so strong? His faithfulness, his heart, his heart, his heart was just all in. He said, God, God, Joshua, I'm ready. Remember that conversation Moses had with us? I'm ready to go. Are you ready to go? This guy was ready to go, man. He was ready to go. Do you want all God has for you? Do you want all God has for you? I hope you do. You know, when, you know when you first got saved and you were like, wow, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven? There was that zeal. There was that passion. You started witnessing to people. You started doing this. And then a little while went by. And that little voice in the wilderness became a peep. And then it was like, I'm just going to let them see my glow. They'll see my halo and they will know I'm a Christian by my love, by my love. They, right? No, you don't open your mouth anymore. You don't really serve anymore. You just keep in your balance. Got to be balanced. Got to be balanced. That's a false balance, by the way. When you tip it all on the world and none of it's on Jesus, don't talk to me about being balanced. A false balance is an abomination unto God. Caleb was like, let's go, let's go, let's go. They're 45 years have passed, right? He wasn't dried up. He wasn't dry on the vine. He hadn't lost that zeal one second, right? I praise God for everybody here. You guys are a blessing. I remember Danny used to stand on, he still does a little bit, jump on a garbage can in the Staten Island Ferry. 
Still got that zeal to preach on the street. Praise God. Let's never lose that. I look at Andrew. He's out there on 35. He's, he's, he's walking, talking to people and preaching. Hey, man, that's a blessing. Hey, don't live up that. Some of you still here, still living for God. Don't give up that zeal. Don't let it waver. Caleb said, no, no, no. I'm ready to go, man. It's been 45 years, but I'm still as ready to fight as I was then. Oh, man, I want to be like that. I want to be like Caleb. I want to be so faithful that I never just miss a step. If I keep on stepping, I'll never miss a step. I wonder, now I'm going to bother you. Are you more devoted to your J-O-B than Jesus Christ? More about making bank than being a blessing? And I get it, we got to go to work. I get that. I'm not telling you to quit your job. But there's your job and then there's your job, right? Do you follow sports or celebrities or social media more closely than your savior? Does that make sense? Really? You TikToked more than you were in the Bible today? You YouTube more than you prayed today? Strange crowd I'm talking to, if that's you. I don't think so. I hope not. Have you been faithful or fickle? in your relationship with Christ. I mean, what I'm asking you is, are you at all like Caleb? Is there any of that in you? You know what somebody said one time? It's great. I thought it was really funny. Somebody said, it takes 90 gallons of water to baptize a Christian, in case any of you guys are wondering. It takes 90 gallons of water to baptize a Christian and only nine drops of rain to keep him at home. Man, we are not like Caleb sometimes, right? 90 gallons of water to baptize a Christian, but nine drops to keep him at home. Oh, 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 it's, it's overcast. Just going to put on YouTube and stay home today. Take it in. Worship Jesus on the deck. Sure. You know, you heard of Zachary Taylor. He's the 12th president of the United States. Didn't live that long in office. He died in office. But did you know Zachary Taylor, the 12th president of the United States, refused to be sworn in on March 4th, 1849, because it was a, wait for it, Sunday. He said, quote, going to church was a higher priority than becoming president of the United States. Good preaching, Brother Zach. (laughs) I mean... He didn't miss a service because he didn't want to, he didn't get, he didn't get inaugurated as president of the United States. All right. So I know you got a busy schedule, but nobody here has got an inauguration lined up anytime soon. He postponed the inauguration till Monday, March 5th. So he wouldn't miss a church service. Do I need to get out the list? If I got out the list, it would run from here to South Carolina of all the reasons why we're not around. Dinner with the third cousin, you know, uh, lunch with the, law, the, 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 the person I call an aunt, you know, the sports game, the this and that, all these things. We don't make God a priority, and we wonder why we're not seeing the victory and the blessing that we read about in the Christian storybooks of old. Those guys were consistent, man. They were faithful, man. Go to Colossians chapter 3. I know that bothers you. You know how I know that bothers you? Because it bothers me. It bothers me. That stuff's convicting, man. If you came to me and said, Pat, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting inaugurated as president next Sunday, I'd probably say, wow, that's great. I might skip the service too to go watch. I don't know. That's what my flesh would do. But Zachary Taylor's like, no, no, I got to be in church. Eric Little, missionary, right? Eric Little said, no, 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 I'm not running the Olympic trials on a Sunday. I'll, I'll skip that race. I'll run on a different day. He ran on a different day. God put him in a different race. He won the gold in a different race. That wasn't even his best race. God's just looking for some faithfulness, man. God's just looking for some people to draw a line in the sand and say, Jesus, you're number one. You're number one. Look at, uh, look at uh, Colossians chapter three, Colossians. Oh boy, I know. Send me on vacation again soon. I know, I know. <laughs> when are you leaving again, Pat? <laughs> Colossians chapter three. I don't... How else can you be with God? Like, he's God. We're going to be with him forever and ever and ever and ever again. We're going to have a reward that goes on for eternity, forever and ever and ever again. And he's like, it's all yours. Just go get it. I want to get it. 
I want to grab as much as I can, right? I'm like a gavon at a buffet. I just want to get as much as I can and just have as much as I can because I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, the Lord is talking to Christians now in the New Testament, and he says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily with all your heart as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. You know what we need, guys? We need more Caleb's. We need more Caleb's. We need men and women who are willing to wholly follow the Lord. You know what? We could use some more musicians. We could use some more Sunday school teachers. We'd like to have a class on a Thursday night. We could use some people to help with that. I know it's always 20% of the people doing 100% of the work in most churches, but you know what we need? We need some more Caleb's. We need some more people willing to just say, Lord, what can I do? Help set up on a Sunday morning, have a track in my pocket, pray for my friends in the evening. I don't know what God wants you to do. I'm not God. I'm just throwing it out there. What is God telling you to do? God says, whatsoever ye do, do it with all your might. Like you do the things you love. Love the things you do for God. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Who are you going to serve? Right? Right? And one foot in, one foot out. God, I'm with you for a few weeks. Now, whoa, 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 whoa. I was getting a little too close to the fire. Right? The book of James says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Brethren, Jesus is coming. It's time to make up your mind. It's time to just get all in with God, get all in with Jesus Christ. And you know, it's so easy because if you want all God has for you, here's what you got to do. Ready? All you got to do is be consistent. All you got to do is be consistent. Sometimes we Christians are looking like for spiritual highs all the time. And it's good to be on the mountaintop. But you know what's after the mountaintop? The valley. Right? You don't want to be a Christian that's like this. Mountaintop, valley, mountains. And sometimes it's like we're looking to like, you know, what's the next thing that'll give me that feeling? No, 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 no. God says, just get even with me, man. Just get consistent. Get how I am. Preach the word in season and out of season. Right? God says, be consistent and you'll be a lot more like me. You just got to be faithful. Brethren, you just got to be faithful. God gave you a little bit of light, maybe. I'm almost done with this message. Maybe there's something that the Holy Spirit right now is, is scratching on your heart about. You just got to do that until he tells you to do something else. And you just keep, you stay consistent And in six months, you'll be way further down the road than you were today. You just got to be willing to take that step. You know, in the 1880s, a young man who was an earnest Christian found employment in a pawn shop. Not the greatest place to go, I know. Although he disliked the work, he did it faithfully as unto the Lord until a more desirable opportunity opened for him. To prepare himself for a life of Christian service, he wrote on a scrap of paper the following resolutions. Quote, I do promise God that I will rise early every morning to have a few minutes, not less than five, in private prayer. I will endeavor to conduct myself as a humble, meek, and zealous follower of Jesus, and by serious witness and warning, I will try to lead others to think of the needs of their immortal souls. I hereby vow, vow, to read no less than four chapters in God's Word every day. I will cultivate a spirit of self-denial and will yield myself a prisoner of love to the Redeemer of the world. That young man was William Booth, who later led thousands to Christ and founded the Salvation Army. A great, great Christian who did a great, great work across the pond in England for the cause of Christ. You know how it started? As a young man just saying, I'm going to do some little things and be faithful with them. I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to just live my life like a Christian every single day. And he went on to do something great and magnificent for God. And that journey of a thousand miles began with that single step. All you got to do is take that first step. 
and then be consistent to take the second step, then the third step, then the fourth step, and then you keep on stepping and you see what God does with you. But so many believers never cross over because they don't care enough to keep growing and keep going for Jesus Christ. Which brings us to our final point in Numbers 32. And this is a quick one. This might be the cause of it all. Numbers 32. Numbers 32. Look at verse 1. So we said a lot of believers won't ever cross over because they have no faith. A lot of believers won't ever cross over because they have no faithfulness. And finally, and yes, Stephen and Dino, I did alliterate these, right? I was thinking of some for you last week. I got, I'll talk to you later for it, all right? all right? I'm only kidding. A lot of believers won't ever cross over because they have no feeling. No feeling. No desire. No heart. Couldn't care less. Sad. Numbers 32 is, is a picture of this. It says, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that behold, the place was a place for cattle, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and to Eleazar the priest and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, Adaroth and Dibon and Jazer and Nimrah and Heshbon, Elielah and Shebem and Nebo and Beon, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle. And thy servants have cattle. Wherefore, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession and bring us not over Jordan. Some of those Israelites had no desire to cross Jordan. You know why? Because they had cattle. Mm-mm. Don't stand downwind of that cattle. And these people of God who'd been delivered by the blood of the Lamb and seen the Red Sea part, traded God's promised land full of milk and honey for some stinky, hairy, flea-bitten beasts. You see that? It was the promised land. The grapes were as big as your head. Milk and honey, it was wonderful, it was glorious. And they said, I like those bison burgers. <laughs> Look at that big cow right there, wow. I like how the flies are all over it. I like how the, the meadow muffins they lay. Oh, I just stepped in one, right? They said, we want the cattle instead of Canaan. Mm. I wonder, brethren, what's so alluring about your cattle that you won't cross over into the promised land? I mean, the Bible says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where's your heart? What's your price? What would you trade all? Oh, I look out at this congregation, I see people that would be great Christian families and great preachers and Sunday school teachers and just good Christian businessmen and women. I mean, there's a room full of so much potential. And if you're watching at home, so much potential if you're saved. There's so much potential. And we're just like, but there's all these hairy, stinky beasts over here. They're just so alluring. I just, oh, I love that smell of poo in the morning. It's just, just so great to be with all these cattle. You know why God picked cattle to just be an illustration of what you're willing to trade God's best for? What are you going to trade it for? Should I venture some guesses? I've learned a lot in a few years of being a pastor. Will you sacrifice and forsake crossing over because you'd rather be comfortable for a few years? I just want to be comfortable, Pat. I don't want to be all, I just, you know, and that's okay. You could, nobody said you had to go out to Bongo Bongo land. What are we talking about? The heart. The, Caleb followed with his heart. I don't know anything Caleb did, but wholly follow the Lord in his heart. And some Christians are just like, no, I just want to take it easy. For what, a few years? For like five minutes on God's calendar? And then, boom, the trumpet blows, and you're like, yikes. Then it's too late. Will you sacrifice God's promised land because you want more possessions that are all going to perish? 
right? We drove home yesterday. There was a car flipped over on fire on I-95. I don't know if the person lived or died. Can I tell you what? I didn't see anybody running up with a U-Haul saying, make sure they take their stuff with them. No, you can't take it with you. It ain't going out. It's nice to have nice things. I'm not against you having nice things. I like to borrow them. But you know what? That can't be the priority in your heart. Can't be everything. Will you let your walk with God go to hell so you can hook up? Right? So you can have somebody. But Pat, I just want to have somebody. I know. But are you going to throw God overboard so you can have somebody? You don't want to wait for God's best? You won't just wait for what God can do? Who are we talking about? We're talking about God. We're talking about the one who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And you're going to settle for the cattle down here? Come on, man. Come on, let's go. Let's get some Caleb's spirit. Let's go. Go to Joshua 14. We'll finish in Joshua 14. I know. Joshua 14. You know what I'm preaching against, really? I'm preaching at me. I really am. I'm preaching at that lazy, Laodicean heart of mine. They're just like, just, you can feel that crust, like just building up over that sensitive heart. You know, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be Laodicean. Joshua 14, verse 10. Let's read this again. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. Caleb is speaking as he said these 40 and five years, even since the Lord uh, spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. I got the next verse underlined, highlighted, dated, and he says, Now therefore, give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. Man, what a spirit in him. God, whatever you got for me, give it to me. I want it. I want to go get it. Give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out. As the Lord said, he said, God, I want to go get all God had for me. And if there's mountains and walls and fences and I die trying, at least I gave it all I had for you, God. That's what he said. Give me this mountain. Is there anything in your heart at all that just cries out right now? Yes, I want to go. I want to go. I want to go get what God has for me. Caleb wanted all God had for him. You know what that was for those 40 and five years since Cadus Barnea? He's an 85-year-old man. You know what that was? That give me this mountain? I bet every night he's saying it. I want that mountain. I want that mountain where the milk and honey flow and the grapes of vegetable grow. I want that mountain. I want that mountain. I want that mountain that God has prepared for me. He's just probably singing that to himself every night. I'm not even sure. If that's a song, I just made up the end of it. But you know what? He's just like, I want that mountain. Amen. And if I could just, I wish I could just whet your spiritual appetite to want to go get all God has for you. Whatever it is. I don't know what it is. I'm not putting names on it. I'm not saying it's ministry. I'm not, but it's all ministry, guys. You're all in it already. Just go get it. Or die trying. Right? Or die trying. Is that your passion? That was Caleb's passion. That was his drive. That was his desire. That's what made that brother tick. I just want that mountain. Today, Lord, will be today. Will you give me that mountain today? That was his perspective. That was his purpose. That was his passion. And look what happens in verse 13. Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephthah, Hebron, for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephthah the Kenizzite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. You see what happens? When you delight thyself in the Lord like Caleb, God gives you the desires of your heart. When you want the right stuff, you'll get the right things. God's Caleb is like, give me that mountain. God, next verse, Joshua gives it to him. You say to God, Lord, I want all you have for me. God may just, he will give it to you. He'll give it to you. But you know what the sorry truth is? And I'm, I'm really just a few comments away from done. The sorry truth is a lot of believers just don't care. They just don't care enough to cross Jordan. 
It's like, uh, it's like what uh, Paul told Timothy, that pastor of Ephesus. He told them, in the last days, men are going to be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. That day has done arrived. <laughs> right? And he was talking to a pastor. He was talking to a guy that worked with people that were saved and, and, and went to church and, and knew the name of Jesus and probably carried a Bible or whatever they had then. He says, don't be surprised, Timothy. There's going to be a day coming when you're going to look out and they're just not going to care. It's kind of like uh, showing your kids a beautiful sunset. Look at that. But they couldn't care less. They're too busy tapping that glass screen. That's what we're like sometimes. God's like, look what, I, look what I got for you. I got a crown for you. I got eternity for you. I got riches for you. I got an inheritance for you. I got a job for you to do. I got a kingdom that's coming that I'm looking for some people to rule with me and reign with me forever and ever and ever and ever again. It's going to be glorious of the increase of his kingdom and government. There shall be no end. He's going to be a part of it, ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ, shining with the glory that he had, taking over, you know, leading over planets as his kingdom goes out forever. And you get to be a co-heir, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Christ, part of that kingdom that never ends. And he said, I'm looking for some people to sign up for that. If you just be faithful with a little bit down here, I'll commit so much to you up there. And some of us are just like, oh, look at that filter. I got bunny ears. Isn't that cool? <laughs> We're so enamored with the little trinkets down here. And God's trying to show you, you see what I got for you? You see that beautiful sunset that's on the horizon? All that stuff that's up there for you? And we're just like, yeah, but I can't see it. I can't touch it. It doesn't get any likes. I don't. Where is it? Are we crazy? Are we crazy to not want to get all God has for us? God, the Holy Spirit right now is trying to be like, just, 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 just think about it. Go out tonight. Look up at the sky. Pretty empty up there. Got a whole lot of living to do up there. Kingdom to continue. And, and I'm just saying, if you just give me that little speck down here, that little dot of sand on the seashore of eternity, you just give me your grain of sand, I will take it and I will let you reign with me in my kingdom forever and ever and ever again. And out comes the but. But! <laughs> but! <laughs> oh, don't, don't. Don't, don't give up, uh, guys. Don't give up. Don't be so busy tapping your phone down here that you miss what God's painted for you up there. You know what the Lord told Timothy? He said, there's going to be a time when Christians are without natural affection. A time when God's people just don't care. There's no passion. There's no zeal. There's no drive. There's no holy followed. There's no Caleb. You know, the book of Ephesians talks about the lost world. And it says of the lost world that being past feeling, they've given themselves over unto lasciviousness. You know what that means? Lasciviousness is a tough word. Don't say it three times. It may sound funny. But lasciviousness is like unbridled animal desire. Like unbridled passions, right? It's a good Bible word, right, sister? A good Bible word, lasciviousness. Just unbridled lust. And he says the lost world just gives themselves over to their lusts and their cares and their drives like animals. So they're past feeling. They're so numb that like you preach at them, it's like a rock thrown against a brick wall. There's just no movement. There's nothing moves anybody anymore. There was a time, like in the days of Jonathan Edwards, when he could preach sinners in the hands of an angry God and read it like a monotone schnook off the paper, and everybody came running down the aisle and grabbed onto the pulpit and wanted to get saved. Now I can light myself on fire. We can go out on the street and preach, and everybody's just like too busy with their windows up and their AC on, and they got their Duncan, and they're good to go. You know what they are? Past feelings. They've given themselves over to their own lusts. And that stuff creeps into the church. You know what happens is we got no room to care about God's stuff because we've given ourselves over to caring about our own stuff. And when we give ourselves over to our own cares, we get past feeling. We get numb. We get like a rock where the blood of Jesus makes you yawn, where the promises of God make you check your watch, 
right? That's what happens when the Bible preached is just like, okay, I'll just let me suffer through this a few more minutes. I know, I know, I'm there too sometimes. You know, you can now go outside, you like to grill, guys like to grill, rah, 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 we like to grill, right? You set up a beautiful grill, beautiful outdoor kitchen or something like that, spend thousand dollars on that grill, hook it up to the gas line, it's beautiful, it's lovely, it could do so much, but if there's no igniter, there's no flame, there's no heat, that beautiful thing is a good for nothing. If there's no flame, if there's no passion, if there's no heat, and brethren, if you're saved, just say amen just one more time. Hey, guess what? God can have all this opportunity laid out for you, all these resources laid out for you, all these windows and doors of utterance laid out for you, all this stuff, all this ability for you right now to live above the world in a place of victory and blessing we call the promised land. But if you got no desire... Nothing's cooking. Nothing's being served up. It's good for nothing. Beautiful, nice to look at. Shiny chrome, nice polished up, good. Can't do anything with it. I wish I knew how to light that flame. I wish I had a Holy Ghost igniter that could reach inside my heart and your heart and just... and flick it and a light would come on and a flame would come on and you'd just be like, yeah... Let's go do something for God. Let me crack that Bible open this week. Let's pray a little bit this week. Let me covenant to pray five minutes a day at least. Let me do that. If I could just light that fire, man, oh man. Because crossing the Red Sea was supposed to be the beginning for God's people, not the end. It was the beginning of the journey. So can I ask you this? Are you willing to cross Jordan? Anybody want all God has for you? Want any victory? Want any blessing? Want any land flowing with milk and honey? Many will die in the wilderness. I know. But don't, you, don't use that as an excuse. You can be that Caleb who cares enough to make it to the promised land. You can be that one that rises above the fray and says, God, you did all that for me. I'm going to give my all for you. Let's stand for prayer. Let's stand for prayer.